Okay, have you seen any crickets yet? I have not. I've been hearing cicadas, however. Yes, cicadas started in July, sometimes as early as the 4th of July. Yes. But crickets usually show up by August. I, I find that I find the cricket sound annoying. I'm just going to say I'm it. I'm not talking. Oh, come on. How could you not like Jiminy? Because he sits outside your window all night just trying to find a mate. <laughs> is that what they're doing? I, isn't that, it's for mating purposes, is it not? I have no idea. I'm not I, a cricket. I've pretty much learned that's all animals. Do. It's eating and mating. Those are their... <laughs> it's kind of like hum, humans. Uh, they entertain people. But anyway, I, uh, at the time of our last First Holy Communion Mass, the most recent one, which was uh, last week of July or July 22nd, yeah. just before Mass, one of the little kids said, oh, there's a bug on the floor right as you come into the church door. And from, from the connection center. Yeah. And mom said, oh, that's not a bug. That's a cricket. Of course, a cricket is a bug. Sure. But, but once you say it's a cricket, then it takes on uh, a meaning. It's we a get person. some big crickets out here, too. Well, this was a small one. So I went over with a, a tissue. I gently picked it up. Mm-hmm. I really did. Uh, it only hopped out of my uh proximity once and I caught it mm-hmm. it with the, the tissue the child was watching so I carefully took it outside <laughs> and released it wouldn't that be a story what do you remember about your first communion the priest killed a cricket right before we had mass <laughs> no I didn't I did not kill it I took it outside and I even talked to it I said I'm doing this for your own good that's great hey everybody welcome to the 23 podcast michael puppas here with father with herb. father herb the the cricket lover it's the greatest 23 minutes of your week while we unpack the uh sunday scripture readings now i think we're going to tell everybody the truth that we are pre-recording this of course it's always pre-recorded it's not live but we're really pre-recording this so we're talking about a message that will go out what august 6th yes it's going to come out on Thursday, August 6th, but we are recording it in July. You are really giving away our secrets. Well, that's they, because... They didn't have to know. Oh, sure they, they did. <laughs> uh, you're taking off a few days one week, and I'm taking off a few days another week. And between the two, we're doing a lot of things in advance. We're stockpiling. And we, we, we have this policy. It's not by, by law, but it sort of happens that Michael and I are never gone at the same time. It's almost like even if we fly somewhere, we have to go in separate planes. Except that one time we flew together. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and look what happened. <laughs> this is another story for another day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the um, the the summer is just flying by as we get ready for... Uh, I was telling Father before we recorded this, this is a, a August 9th. This Sunday will be fun because it's going to be my daughter Audrey's eighth birthday. So there that, you go. That is beautiful. She enters that wonderful... Uh, first communion age. Yeah. Who knows what first communion will look like by May of 21? Yes. Well, did I shock you when I said that my first Holy Communion was 65 years ago? That's pretty incredible. When I said that at uh, first communion mass, I had just done the math like an hour before mass. And I thought it, that can't be. I, I've, I redid the numbers any number of times, but 60, <laughs> it keeps adding up. <laughs> 65 years ago was my first Holy Communion. Do you remember it? I do. I do very well, but not necessarily for good reasons. I was nervous. I remember in those days the, the Monsignor that was at our parish. Mm-hmm. He was literally, literally uh, Prussian. He was from uh, 
Europe. Mm -hmm. He was a very good man, but incredibly intimidating to kids and very impatient. Mm. And we had to go right up into the sanctuary. They had a special pre-do where a couple kids would go up at a time and receive and then go back. And then the next couple would go up and we could not uh, touch the hosts with our hands. You always received it on the tongue yeah. and you could not let it even touch your teeth. Whew. And I received it and I was, I had fasted since midnight, whatever it was. And for whatever reason, I received the host and it stuck to the roof of my mouth and, and I couldn't swallow <laughs> Poor it. Poor Jesus. And I was kneeling there. Uh-huh. I was kneeling there trying to do it. I was, I took it very seriously. I was very into it, but I, I just was so perplexed. What am I going to do? And the priest finally said, well, go. It was like, you've received. Don't, I kept kneeling there. It's time to get out of here, Weber. We got people behind you. Yeah. I remember mine. Um, we remember a couple weeks ago we were talking about when you interviewed me and I can, I remember like, right. Same with my first communion. I can, I can see the church. Well, you're not thinking as far back as I am. No, mine would have been probably what? 1993. So I, it, it was, oh, that's a, quite a few years. It was, well, thank you. It's, I mean, it's all I've got. I work with what I have yeah. <laughs> and, um, it was at St. Jerome, but I did a reading. I remember I did a reading from Exodus in the oh, second that's beautiful. grade. That is good. Yeah. And I also remember my first reconciliation for that. I was extremely nervous. Mm. I remember being very nervous. Yeah, about I that. do want to finish my story. Well, <laughs> uh, my, oh, I'm sorry. Cause yeah, you never get Holy enough communion. Time. As I said, these are kind of, uh, it was like a intimidating, the very next day we had another mass yeah. uh, on Monday and that was kind of a field trip day. So we would, we would go to church with our first communion clothes on mm-hmm. and have mass and receive communion a second time, which I think actually is a beautiful concept that you're continuing sure. the communion. And then the rest of the day was a field trip day. So we would change clothes and go out for whatever to a park or something. Was there but, a storm that day? No, but what I do remember that second day was I received communion, everything went fine. So the the second Holy Communion was a beautiful, beautiful experience. The first one was kind of terrifying. And so I, I always try to remember that when I see these kids. Uh, there's almost like too much pressure on them sometimes. We want them to really enjoy it, but I also want them to continue to receive. It's not just First Communion, but the beginning of a communication uh, with Jesus at a special um, communion level, you know, a Eucharistic uh, friendship. Right. We do have one of our first communion masses left this summer. They've been really kind of nice celebrations. So, okay. The reason I asked you if there was a storm that day, because I was, that's, you're, you're doing I was the trying segue to, to the gospel. I was trying to move us to the gospel. For once, I'm trying to stay on task. Okay. Here goes. Last week, we talked about feeding the crowd of how many thousand? Four to five. Not including women and children. Not in women. Yeah, that's I, that's very offensive the way they read it. But that's another point. Okay, so <laughs> okay, so and it goes directly from there to the crowd finally dispersed. The apostles got in a boat and they went elsewhere. And Jesus went and prayed. Remember, he was trying to pray after the death of John the Baptist. Yep. Well, he finally got some time in. So. He, uh, I think I'm going to read the gospel this time. Are we ready? We're ready. And let's just clarify this literally in the gospel of Matthew. We Last week we ended at verse 21, and today we're picking up at verse 22, obviously both in chapter 14. And here goes. After he had fed the people, 
Jesus made the disciples get into a boat and precede him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After doing so, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When it was evening, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already a few miles offshore, was being tossed about by the waves, for the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, he came toward them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It is a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. At once Jesus spoke to them, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter said to him in reply, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw how strong the wind was, he became frightened and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught Peter and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? After they got into the boat, the wind died down. Those who were in the boat did him homage, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Okay, just a few uh, quick little things. They were out on the boat, already a couple of miles out. It says going to the other side. I think when we hear the passage, going to the other side, we think, going literally all the way across the lake. Yeah. That's this lake not, is big enough that they could be a couple miles out. It's that big? Yeah. Lake, lake uh, Sea of Galilee, also called uh, Lake Tiberias or Lake Gennesaret. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got different names. Lake Gennesaret was the name used from the other side, literally the the far side of the lake. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, it's, it's not as big as Lake Erie. It's not a great lake, mm -hmm. but it's not just a little pond either. Okay. So, but they didn't necessarily mean going all the way across to where the country of Jordan is nowadays. It would be kind of going uh, from, let's say, from the west side to maybe the northwest side. But they would they could go out several miles and then uh, veer around to another spot. Okay. Uh, but yeah, they could be several miles out. So that's the first thing. The second thing is coming in the in the fourth watch. It's very late. That's very, actually, it's very early. Very, very early in the morning. <laughs> That's true. Well, it depends yeah. on what time, they, what time had, you go to bed. What had happened is they had adopted the Roman concept of hours, and during the night they had four watches. So the fourth watch would be basically 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. You know, who else coined that? Taco Bell with fourth meal. Same concept. I didn't know that. You didn't know Taco Bell has a fourth meal? It's like, I know that open very late at night. Yeah, so you go like in the middle of the night and get, you know, two thousand calories to consume. I don't do that. I haven't done that. You did that you, when you were in college. Oh yeah, of course you do. Okay. <laughs> okay, so the fourth watch is, it it's first of all, they're out there all night. It's dark. Mm -hmm. It's stormy, a dark and stormy night. You know, it is windy. Uh, Everything that they should be afraid of. They did believe in ghosts. They saw, you know, they would see strange things. It was a, a very primitive mindset. And I don't mean primitive as in a put down, but very simple mindset, non-scientific thing. Mm -hmm. And consequently, it would have been a very frightening experience. The storm itself was frightening. 
this kind of passage, and there were several passages where Jesus calmed the storm. Remember the one where he's he's in the boat and he's asleep, and they yeah. say, "Aren't you are, aren't you aware that we're going to perish?" They wake him up and he calms the storm. Yeah. Well, here's here's a different one. They are caught in the storm. The early church totally believed in taking this passage and applying it to themselves, not literally, but saying we are undergoing some storms ourselves. And Jesus comes to us in the storm and the whole concept, we use this phrase all the time, you know, can you walk on water? You know, it almost means like you have um, a superhuman uh, talent. Right. Walking on water. I was reading a book last week um, written by a priest about priesthood. And the title of the book is The Lost Art of Walking on Water. Basically talking about people sort of assumed priests could walk on water. And he's, of course, he's saying we don't want to be put on uh, on a pedestal. Yeah. We don't want to be treated that way. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, when you think about the priests that you love the most are the, the priests that are servant leaders, not the ones yeah. that separate themselves apart from everybody else. My, my last parish was uh, St. Peter's, St. Peter's in Mansfield. And I had no idea there were so many stories about St. Peter till I went there. So the, the church itself, over the years, some were the original and some had been added later, but there are depictions of St. Peter throughout the church. Some are in the stained glass window. Some are some paintings on the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Some are uh, paintings on the wall. And there was one back, towards the back. I could see it from the front, but pe- it was behind people, but it was a, a large depiction of this particular story. Mm. So you you could see uh, Jesus on the water and you could see Peter sinking into the water and then there was the boat like he had just stepped out. Yeah. Well, anyway, the, the wonderful thing about this picture, it was p- painted in the 1940s, I believe. And uh, Peter is very, very, he doesn't have a shirt on. He's very muscular in the picture. Kind of like Jesus on the cross here at John the 23rd. Yeah, yeah, very buff. Um, But one day after Mass, and this was probably 20 years ago, there was this elderly couple walking around the church looking at the pictures. And I started talking to them, and the man who had to be in his 70s, maybe 80, I don't know, he introduced me to his wife, who was the woman with him, and they had both been widowed, and so they had married just a couple of years ago. And he said he had grown up in Mansfield, but they had moved elsewhere, so she had never been there before. And then he said he was 18 years old, and he was the model for the artist who was painting Peter. In that particular In that painting? particular picture. No way. So the woman walked over, and she looked at it, and she studied it, and she came back, and she said, he sure doesn't look that good today. <laughs> uh, and his answer was, the truth is I didn't look that good then either. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old school Photoshop. Yes. <laughs> Just got to touch it up a little bit. Well, artists, artists are artists. The image, though, always reminded me of how easy we lose faith. Storms come along mm-hmm. and we realize I'm asked to do the impossible. Can I do it? And walking on water is impossible. Can I do it? We can't on our own. And that's why the, the two lines, first of all, when uh, when they say it's a ghost, Jesus says, take courage as I do not be afraid. But later on, when he starts sinking, Peter says, Lord, save me. 
And he says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now, I think doubting is acceptable as long as we don't stay in the doubt. That we don't want the doubt to turn into some sort of cynicism, mm -hmm. like I don't believe. Mm -hmm. But to, just to doubt something in the sense, like I, would, I wish I could understand this more, or what's, what's, what is the Lord calling me to do? I think that's a, totally acceptable because it leads to a deeper faith. You know, we've talked about on past episodes, people during the COVID-19 pandemic saying, oh, my faith has been such a rock. You know, th my faith has gotten me through this. I'd be interested to know the stories and talk to people that we haven't probably heard much from, at least to my knowledge, that have really questioned and wrestled and struggled with their faith as a result of disease and probably... Um, lack of employment and trying to feed their family. And, and, and it may not be their own sickness, but the sickness of someone they love. Sure. Like uh, if, especially if they hear uh, about a child, a grandchild and like, Lord, why is, are you letting this happen to this person? Yeah. And the question why is unanswerable. If people say, you know, why does God do this? I usually say, I'm sure God has an answer. I can't give it to you. Let's ask a different question. <laughs> <laughs> so a question. What, so how do you, I mean, when somebody comes to you that's really doubting their faith or really struggling with it, where do you begin with someone? Well, I usually try to say, first of all, it's okay. But stick with it. It's not okay to just doubt and quit. Mm -hmm. You've got to doubt from within and not doubt from outside. The second thing I would say is, are we really doubting the existence of God or God's love or are we doubting the way it's been presented to us? Mm. I, I am certain, absolutely certain that a lot of people who call themselves atheists or agnostics are really more protesting the clothing in which the concept has been presented to them. Mm. You know, maybe the way the church, any church or any denomination has presented something. And so when they, they struggle with that, therefore they struggle with the entire concept of God. I think, you know, that's the the human element in religion, right? Like, we, we will fail at doing what we do because we are human and we are imperfect. Um, but if we can, you know, talking earlier about, like, the priest being put on a pedestal, the priest is meant to point to someone else, not to himself. Yeah. Our faith is meant to point to someone else, not to ourselves. Um, I think somebody that exemplifies that beautifully is Pope Francis. You know, here he is at at the at the top, and at least in an earthly fashion. But I see him as a man that is constantly pointing to Jesus and saying, "Not me, not me, but him." One of my favorite episodes was probably the, with Pope Francis, was the quote-unquote negative one where he was greeting people in the crowd. There was like a little rope between them, and the woman grabbed onto his hand and just held onto it. <laughs> and he was trying, did you see that? That was no. a year ago or so. No. And he was trying to move on, and she just wouldn't let go. So he took his other hand and kind of gently slapped her hand, and then he pulled his other hand free. Yeah. He pulled his right hand free. And, of course, that was caught on camera. Sure. Everything like, here, is Here's the Pope uh, hitting this woman <laughs> to, to get his hand free. Yeah. 
But the rest of the story is he apologized. A day later, he said, uh, I am sorry I did that. I was, uh, you know, I think it was a very human reaction. Like, sure. don't cling to me. You know, I've got a big crowd here. I can't just let you hold on to me. Well, don't you think Jesus was feeling the exact same way in, in today and last Sunday's gospel? He was literally just trying to get some alone time, and the crowd kept following. Yep. Yeah, it's just what happens. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Pope what, Fran- have, have you ever walked on water? No, I, well, obviously not. That's not a real, I don't mean literally maybe in some, to your, to your girls, they think oh, dad can walk on water. He can do anything. <laughs> um, by the way, if they think that enjoy it because it's it not going to be around let- too many more years. Yeah. I would say Emery still does the, like the whole, cause she's five, you know, you're the best dad ever, or you're my best dad. And then I say, well, I'm your only one. Yeah. <laughs> you are. Well, I say stuck. the same thing to you. Uh, you're our best music director, <laughs> and the only one. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll be interested to see. You know, what will the history books write about Pope Francis in fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty years about you know his ministry as a shepherd for the people of God here on Earth? Um, well, the other thing, and I I don't know if I can say this about Pope Francis, but I think it's true. But it is definitely true for our patron john the 23rd that that whole concept be not afraid Mm. you know he called the council and the council definitely changed the world and changed the the church in the world but he did it without fear he did it without fear because he knew it's like where there's a storm a brewing but the lord is with us we're not by ourselves do not be afraid one of the most common group of words we hear throughout the entire Bible. Yes. Yet we are still filled with anxiety most days. So Michael, this week do not be afraid. I'm going to try. We'll see how we do. Okay. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you at Mass this weekend. God bless you.